Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well, because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is your health. I'm your host, Dr. Kiri Drizga, the functional medicine doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments so you can feel normal again and live your life to the fullest. Just a quick bit of housekeeping before I introduce today's special guest. I'm happy to announce my first book is now in print. The title is Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again, Fixing the Root Cause of Your Fatigue with Natural Treatments. I've discovered 14 root causes of fatigue. I like to call them the fatigue factors. And in this book, I explain eight out of the 14. I've had some amazing feedback on how easy it is to read and understand. It's not full of technical doctory language like most books written by doctors are. And of course, the book also includes my own personal fatigue story, along with four other stories from real fatigue cases from my private practice. It's available in paperback and Kindle forms, so if you'd like a copy, you can find it on Amazon or on my website, www.drcarrie.com. That's it for our housekeeping, so let's get started. I'm so very excited to introduce you to today's special guest because he's just a regular guy who decided to really take charge of his health. His name is Mike Wenlin, so let me tell you a little bit about Mike. Mike's actually a longtime media guy, and he's written for many national newspapers, um, including USA Today and the New York Times. And he's also a travel writer who has traveled around North America in an RV looking for cool stories about people and places. And he's using his blog and podcast to chronicle exactly what's happened to him since he started to exercise and abandon his junk food diet and now he's eating, you know, good, organic, nutritious food. So today he's going to share with us his adventure, revealing his weight changes, his struggles, his successes, and what he's learning and, and experiencing through his new emphasis on health and fitness. So Mike, I want to thank you so much for being my special guest today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. Well, it is a pleasure to be with you, Dr. Kerry. So Mike, can you share with us what was your real aha moment that made you make this 180 degree turn in your health? Well, like a lot of people, I have struggled with my weight for my whole life. I've yo-yoed up and down and I've always, you know, said, oh, you just got to go without, don't eat, you know, cut back and, and anybody can lose weight that way for a while. But then it would always come back and then it would go off and then it would come back and, um, one day, uh, of you know, a number of years ago, four or five years ago, I, I picked up the uh, the uh, the movie uh, Super Size Me. The old I don't know if you saw that the Morgan Spurlock movie where he decided that as an experiment he'd do a video to see what would happen if he only ate fast food. I think he did it from McDonald's, and 
at the end of uh, whatever that was, 30, 60, 90 days, I don't remember how long, he was so sick that, I mean, literally his, his physician advised him to stop the experiment. It was just amazing watching these changes. He was just eating, you know, the stuff that most Americans eat all the time, you know, the easy, convenient, you know, comfort food of, of uh, greasy hamburgs and fast food French fries. And um, his thing is every time they said supersize, he would take the extra size and that was it. And he gained tons of weight and he was unhealthy. And, but anyway, it got me wondering what would have happened if he did the opposite? If he, if he started to exercise to work out and if he decided that it would be, um, see what happens if he ate right, if he ate good food, healthy food. And so that's how this all started. I realized I had to do a life change, not another diet. And uh, it began in all I've lost, you know, uh, I mean, when I first started this a couple of three years ago, I was, I hate to say this, but I was 262 pounds and I've lost about 40 pounds of that. Um, and, and because I do a lot of travel writing, it started to creep back up again this summer. And I said, I'm going to do more than that then. And so I, I came up instead of supersize me, I came up with it with the name super healthy me. And that's the name of uh, the blog and the podcast. And I'm trying to be, it's really a secret for me to be accountable. So if I'm, if I'm accountable and do a podcast every week <laughs> where I share what's happened with me, I, it better be, it better be good. And so that's, uh, my audience is my accountability partner. So that was really the big aha moment was seeing that movie. That was it. It really did. And then that led me to, uh, as, as you said in the introduction, I am an investigative reporter and, um, that's what I've been, I've done most of my life. And I, that led me to, well, how, how what, what about food? And i I've read all the other stuff that's out there, forks over knives and king corn and food ink. And I started to get really mad about uh, the food industry. And then last year, Michael Moss, New York Times reporter, came out with a book called Salt, Sugar and Fat and how the, the food giants of, of America have addicted us you know, to food that is just not healthy for us, particularly high fructose, uh, you know, sugary concoctions that are more addictive than cocaine. And so I got really upset. Those aha moments continued on. And then the real aha moment was about six months ago. I mean, I knew I was on the right track, but about six months ago, we were in a supermarket and I looked and this supermarket had row after row of motorized scooters and little things that um, handicapped folks would use, except these were not for handicapped. These were people the people who were using these scooters were just morbidly obese people who were too fat to waddle down the, the aisles of these supermarkets and eat this, you know, take this, select this toxic food that was being offered to us. And so I looked at that and I said, this is just nuts. And that that's really when I, I completely uh, sold out to this idea of trying to be a super healthy me by eating right and, and, uh, and exercising. And so can you tell us about some of the ups and the downs, the, the, the struggles and, and the wins that you've gotten on your journey, because it's not an easy journey. No, it is not an easy journey. No, it is for some people. Some people, you know, uh, are, are, are right there. I guess the, the first successful thing that I have learned is I started to watch what, what fit people eat. And it's markedly different than what uh, obese people eat. I mean, um, really, you just, just watch them, you know, they'll take a couple of bites of something, uh, they'll have a small serving. And so that was my, uh, my first successful thing that the, 
the downside for me is after a, a lifetime of this, I'm in my 60s, and after a lifetime of bad eating habits, um, you know, I, I was I was strung out on all this stuff, on this sugary, good-tasting, easy-to-get uh, food that did not do well for me. And I ate more than I should have. I, uh, I used to say I had no such thing as a full mechanism. And I still will struggle with that, you know, in times that I'm, I'm eating something's good. You, if, if it's good now and more is even better and, you know, you become unaware of that you're, that you're full, that you really don't need any more food until it starts to hurt. <laughs> so I've learned to eat slower and I've learned to uh, practice portion control. I mean, no one's perfect. I, I went off the wagon at Thanksgiving and in Thanksgiving week, I got on the scales. I was up five pounds up. And that, that was very depressing until I realized that that's because I had had a, a ton of carbohydrates and uh, there was a lot of water retention involved. And, and that, that weight went, went right away very fast as soon as I got back on, on my healthy eating program. And so some of the things that you've mentioned are, are things that most of our listeners, they know about that they should be doing or they're trying to do or that they are struggling with. And and so you mentioned about healthy eating and about exercising. So what do you think has been the biggest thing that has impacted you now maintaining this healthy lifestyle? Is it the diet? Is it exercise? Or is it your mindset? Well, I think it is It is a little bit of all of that. But the latter, the mindset, is the most important thing. It's a decision. Um, it's like, here's a little exercise I did. And, and this, this really helped. I, I took a, um, a, a yard stick, uh, you know, and it, uh, actually it was a tape measure that kind of went, you know, it was like a 10 foot tape measure, whatever that was. And I, I put my foot, I put it on the ground, I put my foot on my age. And then I said, how much longer realistically in, in assuming I don't get in an accident or I don't come down with a, with a, with a terrible disease, you know, what's the, how much longer can I expect to live? And so, you know, just arbitrarily, I put like 89. I, I come from a family of long livers and, and that's great. So, you know, I don't know. I put 89, but at least at 89, I'm going to be slowing down. I know that. Uh, so that's not that much room. Everything else is in the past. I can't do anything about the past. Can't do a thing about it. But everything from the date I was standing on, which was, you know, my current age to where I would be, you know, at 89 in a, in a grave or close to it. Uh, hopefully even longer than that. Now I think I can actually go into my nineties, but, but that's not a, that's not a lot of different. That's not a lot of, of inches in that little yardstick. And so every minute counts. And so the, the past is done. The future's still there and the future will get longer, the more healthy I am. And so that, that really has helped me. And that's, that's that mindset I have. And sure you, you know, you mess up. I mean, I, I will confess, uh, without any guilt at all that just, just before, uh, we started this interview. I, this is the holiday time when we're recording it. I had uh, a Christmas cookie and I don't feel any guilt at all because I'm not going to have 10 of them. I had one and um, that's great. You know, it's a special time of year. No problem because tomorrow I, I won't. And I know I've still got uh, some more time to eat uh, during the day, another, another meal. And I can make sure I don't overindulge in any of that stuff. And so it's kind of a, of, of a, of a long-term approach, but realizing that I want every day to be a little bit better. So you had mentioned earlier that there, there's been some movies out there. So besides Supersize Me, which was, was just an awesome movie because, because it really got out there to the mainstream. 
Morgan Spurlock did such a great job with that movie. So for any listeners who have not seen that movie yet, you have got to get it. And then you mentioned um, King Corn. I know I've seen that one, and that really pissed me off. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Fork, Forks Over Knives, and there's so many other documentaries out there. The the one that the, the it's a book. It's not a movie now, but the book that has most infuriated me is this Salt Sugar Fat by Michael Moss. I mean, uh, first you'll get really mad at the food industry, and you realize how they have conspired. I mean, that is there's no doubt they have conspired to load our food with unhealthy, even toxic junk that it has one purpose only, and that is to addict us to sugar, to salt, and to fat. And then, of course, you get mad at yourself for allowing yourself to get hooked. But um, finally, you realize the key to your beating the this obese lifestyle is in the food choices you make, that we really do have the power. And uh, I guess if you get no other book about food, that's the one I would recommend. I think that salt, sugar, fat, it's, it's great. He He's a, he's a great journalist, and he went inside the food industry and many of their meetings and many of the tests and how they intentionally load this food with uh, salt and sugar and fat to addict us. And I think that there's been some great reporting out there by journalists and, and uh, documentarians, film documentarians, and Food Inc. was another big one that really, uh, that really does it. And uh, I do a lot of traveling around the country in a little RV and Food Inc. exposes how the, the nation's food supply is controlled by really a handful of corporations and that uh, the way they uh, artificially uh, they, they load up our cattle with antibiotics and they uh, raise all the chickens in windowless rooms and, I mean, just on healthy ways. We've gone by those feedlots as we've traveled around the country and we've seen these these cows, this cattle all packed together in feces-covered muddy grounds with no grass or grain and they're fed instead corn and uh it's it's disgusting and yet that's what most of us eat and and most of us never knew that we never knew that and so i got real mad and uh i just said uh, no i'm not going to let them do that to me anymore and i'm not going to do it to myself anymore so you know one of the things i really love about your story is that again you're just a regular guy but um Sometimes people, when they hear about these stories about the food in industry, I think sometimes they think it's like blowing out of proportion or it's like a more of a conspiracy theory. But you being a longtime journalist, media guy, and really traveling the country, you have been able to see firsthand that this is not a conspiracy theory. These things are happening. Here's, here's something that anybody can do and that and you just cannot help but connect the dots. Um, our, my father-in-law died a year and a half or so ago, and he's one of those guys from the World War II generation, and he was in his 90s. And we were clearing out some of his stuff, and we came across a lot of the photos that uh, he had collected from his days in the Navy and then his days as a young dad and growing up. And what was so striking about these photos, and these photos were from the 40s and the 50s, is how fit everyone looked. There were no... Uh, grossly morbidly obese people in any of the photos they took of their friends or their the places they went and I thought well look at that look how fit everybody was and then we started thinking about it and we think about the old movies that we watch those old black and white movies uh, there's not fat people in them. or if they are they're they're presented as kind of a caricature and and a, a ridiculous figure most people in those movies in the 40s and the 50s were fit thin. Um, they ate good, they ate good food. That's why what changed it. 
Here's what changed it. I saw a photo just the other day. I was in a Dairy Queen. I admit I like Dairy Queen. I was in a Dairy Queen, and they had an old photo from the early 60s, I think it was, maybe the late 50s, when it was of the first Dairy Queen that opened in some little town, wherever that was. And there, it was a great shot. There's some old cars, and there was a lot of people around, and there was somebody out in front of the Dairy Queen giving a little speech. But all the people gathered around were fit. They all looked really trim and good. Now, you contrast that. to Just look anywhere today. Go to a shopping mall anywhere and just look. And look how many people are, are way overweight. What's changed? Well, what's changed is big food, fast food, bad-for-you food, um, science and research into how to put more addictive things into our food to make us buy more of them. I mean, travel around the country. I remember uh, once uh, thinking about potato chips. You don't see those in third world countries where people are fit. Now, granted, they don't have good nutrition there often, but it's our food. It's this diet that we eat, and uh, that's the thing. You don't have to to, to do uh, an investigative story on, on the food industry to realize that something changed in our culture. And what has changed, I think, is the food we consume. Yeah, I think you're right that 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 is the biggest part and that we're kind of like rats in an experiment. Mm, that's just what we are. <laughs> right. That's just it's not a pleasant thought. But that's that's it. it's, it's real. I, I don't mean to bring this like this podcast down, but but I, I want our listeners to understand that this is what's going on. And and again, you being a journalist and and, and uh, experiencing the, the changes in your life, changing your diet, changing your exercise routine and the big one, changing your mindset about health. So I'd like to switch gears because one of the things that I often hear from patients, because patients come into my office for all different kinds of reasons, and some some of them want to lose weight, some of them are struggling with autoimmune disease, some are struggling with diabetes, with heart disease, all kinds of different reasons. But universally, one of the things that we work on is diet and healthy eating. And so one of the things I'm often asked about is that eating healthy costs more. Mm. So, Mike, can you comment on, on that and, and what you have found? Well, it, that is the scandal of it all because it does. It, frankly, it does cost a little bit more and it takes more effort. Uh, but, um, there's, you know, what's more important than our health? What is more important than living whatever that time from the on that on my illustration of the tape measure from where you're standing today with your age until you won't be standing anymore than to make every day a little bit better. And um, so it is going to cost you more. That is a scandal. I mean, it, uh, fresh food costs more because it, it isn't preserved. It doesn't it isn't loaded with these preservatives. There are a number of places now, a couple of big chains around the country where you can get organically grown fresh food. Um, there is, a, 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 I think, a very strong movement. Uh, just just search the Internet. A lot of people are, are buying, uh, you know, grass-fed beef, for example, from a number of producers around the country. And, and they can go in on a cow, you know, a processed cow if they're, gonna, if they're, if they're meat eaters. So there's, there's ways to do it and to save money. There's co-ops. But the fact of the matter is this is going to have to become more than just going to the supermarket and buying food. You're going to have to be proactive. We're used to that. We've seen this now in our health. You know, we're told when we go to a physician's office or we go to the hospital to be proactive, 
to find out what's involved, to ask questions, and we have to do the same thing with what we eat. So, yep, you do pay more. And it has to almost become like a hobby for you because you've got to learn how to read the ingredients, how they sneak stuff through there. And um, you've got to go out of your way to get organically grown, good, fresh, whole, uh, unprocessed food. And you got to eat it a little quicker because unprocessed food doesn't have a shelf life of 23 years, whatever they give. Yeah. Uh, but um, that is probably the scandal. You know, it should be the other way around. But we live in a culture now where, you know, it's it's pretty hard to, um, you know, to, to ship food across the country and expect it to live and uh, in, in, in without preservatives in it. So, you you know, there is that that cost. And of course, you've got fresh, you've got the food industry and you've got the government um, that are that basically endorse all this unhealthy stuff. And, and anybody who raises their voice and criticism is, is uh, you know, campaigns are launched against them to shut them down or to quiet them. But so you got to become a bit of an activist, but it's for your own cause and you're going to pay a little bit more. But I think you'll also enjoy it more. There's just there's a satisfaction of knowing that, that once you start eating good food, you you feel better. It tastes better. Uh, we were out the other day and I had um, turkey. I thought, well, it was a restaurant. I had some turkey. It would be good, you know, white, white turkey. And uh, I just tasted the salt in it. I mean, it was so salty. I had no idea. But because my taste buds have changed, uh, I now recognize that stuff. Before, I just consumed it. It was normal. So, Mike, can you give our listeners three three good tips on on maintaining a healthy lifestyle, whether it's some of the diet changes that you've implemented or exercise changes that you've implemented or just simple mindset? Sure. Um, simple. These are simple tips. Okay. The first one, I think the most important one, at least for me, and again, everybody's lifestyle is different, but for my, for my lifestyle is I have a rule and you know, if I can at all keep it, I keep it. Um, we do not eat after 6 PM because we intend to go to bed by 10 or 11. And if you just do a little bit of research, that's how much you need to, to digest that food. Otherwise it just sort of sits there and uh, you have trouble sleeping, your body's digesting the food instead of uh, shutting down and letting you sleep. Uh, most food, most high calorie food, the studies show is, are consumed between six and 10 at night when people are watching television or, or just, you know, they have some downtime. So if you set this rule that I will not eat, you know, make it even four or five hours before I go to bed. If you go to bed at two in the morning, you can eat a little, you can eat up until a little later, but but um, for us, it's 6 p.m. No, no food after 6 p.m. And man, the weight will come off right from there and you'll feel better. You'll sleep better. That's the first step. The second tip is, what, is, is why you don't eat after 6 to sleep. How important sleep is to us. I've read some stories now about sleep and I've talked to researchers that I did a couple of uh, on, my, on my podcast about how sleep is actually the most important thing you can do if you really want to lose weight. That if you don't sleep, it, uh, it does something to your metabolism. It causes you to want to eat more the next day. And it, uh, it just messes everything up. And when I say sleep, that's seven to eight to nine hours a night. So you need to really work on that. And it takes quite a commitment because it is really an issue for most people. People seem in our culture to almost take pride in the fact 
that they don't sleep. <laughs> oh, I get by with four hours of sleep. You, you're not getting by. It's going to take a major effect, have a major effect on your health, and you probably have a weight problem because uh, obesity is directly linked to a lack of sleep. So that's the, the second one. And then, uh, you know, as for exercise, uh, find something you like and find a whole bunch of things you like and do different things, but, but work out six days a week, no matter what, six days a week, at least 30 minutes of cardio, and you should do some weightlifting. And there's lots of books and you can find a health club and all of that stuff. I think everybody should join a gym someplace and, and it doesn't have to be an expensive thing, but there's something about working out with a bunch of other people and finding exercise uh, buddies to, to go with. All that stuff is, is really important. So, so working out, um, getting enough sleep and don't eat after 6 p.m. I love those tips. And, and again, I'm sure most of our listeners have already heard of those things. It, you know, you're not reinventing the wheel here, but, uh, but really the brass tacks is when you sit down and you really focus on implementing these things in your life. And, and for one of the things for me personally, when it came to exercise, um, uh, and I, I'm happy to be transparent about this with my audience is that I have always hated exercising. You know, when they say, oh, feel the burn, doesn't the burn feel so good? It's like, no, no, that burn doesn't feel good. And uh, I don't even no. like the way it feels when I stretch. And yeah, so I'm not a stretcher. <laughs> I should. They tell us we really should. You know, there's one other thing that I, I, I didn't measure mention, but it had to do with my lifestyle, which is, you know, working on a computer a lot or driving in an RV a yeah. lot. And that's something called sitting disease. There really is such a thing. It's a genuine disease. The uh, Center for Disease Control talks about it. Uh, we sit too much and how difficult sitting disease, if you sit, you know, it actually causes you, um, it wrecks your posture and uh, it makes you actually um, retain your, your calories more. You don't burn them. And it's, uh, it's like the equivalent of smoking a pack or two of cigarettes a day. It's bad news. So this idea of sitting all the time, so get up every hour or so, walk around, move around, uh, right standing up, things like that. Yeah, and it could be as simple as in your electronic calendar to, to put a, a meeting or an, an alert, uh, put your alarm on every hour to, to, to alert you that it's time to get up, move around. Yeah, and maybe even a, do a little bit of exercise in your office. You know, get down and do do a plank for as long as you can, or just do some a, a brisk walk around the office. Or dude, doing that plank in the office would be, just be fun because people would walk by and see that, and they'd they'd freak out. What's happening to him? <laughs> you know, so that'd be kind of a kind of a great conversation starter. <laughs> but but yeah, just moving. You know, my wife has a thing: uh, step, step, step. She says, and that means get up and walk around and. You know, park a little further. These are all simple tips that everybody should know and probably has heard, but just implement them. Mm -hmm. uh, walk farther. You know, don't don't go for that parking spot that's right next to the handicapped. You know, take one further back. Uh, you know, don't run up the escalator. Take the stairs if you can. And you know, these little every little step adds. And with our with these great apps that we have now on our smartphones, it'll, they'll count our steps. And you know, you can measure yourself if you've got a competitive thing. You know, I did you know, 7,000 steps yesterday. I want to do 7,500 today. And you have to play games with yourself. Um, 
and you have to think through, you got to plan what I'm going to eat. You're going out to a party. Okay. What am I going to have? You know, I'm going to drink a lot of water ahead of time and then, uh, I'm not going to eat the shrimp and the, and the sauce and I'm going to stay away from, you know, all the pasta stuff, but maybe I can have some fruit and you just, you have to think it through. Mike, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your podcast? You had mentioned it early on at the beginning of our interview that you use that to help keep yourself accountable for your health. So can you mention again, what is the name of your podcast and how can our listeners really find out more about you? If they go to superhealthyme.com, that's all one word, superhealthyme, and just uh, check check that out. there's a, all the podcasts are there, and then I have some posts that we do uh, throughout the rest of the week as well as I'm as I'm learning stuff. But the idea of the podcast is uh, total transparency. That I, I will begin each uh, each uh, show. I'll, I'll sort of talk about my week, and I will give the numbers of how much weight I lost, or whether I didn't lose any, or whether I did. I'll talk about the exercise. I always have an interview. Uh, you will be one of my interviews. As a matter of fact, we're swapping interviews here in the next yeah, couple Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that we're able to swap interviews. Yeah, well, it's great because we reach different audiences and, and uh, your expertise on functional medicine. And just uh, we did our interview a couple of days ago and it's just it's it's helped me. It's helped to refocus me and this idea that, uh, you know, we can actually feel better. Mike, I want to thank you for being my special guest today. This has really been an awesome interview. All right, that wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Mike Wenlin. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next week for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carrie.